Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Can we, um, before, before he leaves the room, can we honor Pastor Eric? Can we give it up for Pastor Eric? Uh, we, we, y'all know we have an incredible lead pastor, and, and, it, and it takes a really gifted pastor to raise up a bunch of young pastors. You know what I'm saying? So you really are incredible. You've always been there for Talon and I, and uh, we love you. Uh, we thank you. And if you didn't know this about your, uh, your pastor, he's a Dodgers fan. Um, and so I know, I know. You can boo him and cheer for him in the same sentence. <laughs> I, I was trying to help you. I was going to say, um, yeah, you can buy him for his birthday some second place uh, Dodgers tickets. You can, you can buy him a jersey of uh, uh, his favorite player on the second place Dodgers. You can buy him anything for the second place Dodgers and he'll, uh, he'll uh, love it. He'll love it. I have to say it while I can. Okay. Uh oh. So this might be the last time I preach to you guys. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's an he really is an incredible pastor, um, and it really is an incredible week to be a Giants fan. I must say the A's fans are salty too. It's been a, it's been a good weekend. So I'm excited. Are, are you all right? All jokes aside, you guys ready for the word today? All right, all right. Y'all are ready. If you guys can go ahead and stand with me as we, as we jump into the word, we're going to read Joshua 11, Joshua 11, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Joshua 11, 1 through 9, and it says, When Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, he sent word to Jobab, king of Madon, to the kings of Shimron and Axpha, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains in the Arabah, south of the Kinnereth, in the western foothills, and in Naphoth, Dor, on the west, to the Canaanites in the east and the west, to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites in the hill country, and to the Hivites below Hermon in the region of Mizpah. They came out with all of their troops and a large number of horses and chariots, a huge army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces and made camp together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. The, verse 6, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. Verse 7, so Joshua and his whole army came against them suddenly at the waters of Merom and attacked them. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Israel. They defeated them and pursued them all the way to greater Sidon, to uh, Mesephiroth, Mame, and to the valley of Mizpah on the east until no survivors were left. Joshua did, this, did to them as the Lord had directed. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariot. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your work. God, I thank you that you... Uh, our, our, our provider. I thank you that you are the God who is always there. I thank you that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I pray uh, that, that we would continue to encounter your Holy Spirit today. I thank you for your presence that's in the room. Lord, we give you uh, this service this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 I'm convinced Pastor Eric gave me this passage because it had every uh, hard word in the Bible. I was like, y'all don't know how many times I just, like, I spent more time practicing saying all those words than the rest of the sermon. 
<laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, this actually is a profound passage. I, I really do uh, love this passage. Um, I don't know if y'all caught it, but in verse 4, it says that the armies against them were as numerous as sand on a seashore. That's a lot. Right, like y'all, y'all, we, we live close enough to the beach. If you lived in the middle of the country, this might not make sense. We're in California. That's a lot of men. That's a lot of people. The odds were stacked against Joshua and his men. The, uh, notice it says nothing about Joshua's army because it wasn't, it wasn't very mighty in number. Verse 6, I love this. The Lord has to tell Joshua, do not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but when someone tells me not to be afraid of something... I know there's something to be afraid of. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, no one says don't be afraid unless there's something that you probably should be afraid of, right? Like, like they are facing a mighty army. But the, I, I love that Joshua actually did what the Lord commanded, and he wasn't afraid. Why? Because the reason was it wasn't because of the strength of his men, but because of who was on his side. Ah, God was on his side. Someone needs to be reminded this morning, whatever it is that you're facing, do not be afraid, not because of your own strength, but because of who is on your side. Amen. See, faith requires trust regardless of the odds. Our faith requires us to trust God even when it doesn't look like we're going to see our way through. Anyone ever been in a moment in your faith where you didn't see how it was going to happen, where you didn't see how God was going to make a way? How many love that when he does make a way, it all begins to make sense? It's like, oh, you are who you say you are. This was a major moment in Joshua in his walk with the Lord because God proved when the odds were stacked against him, that he was who he said he was. And, and if I'm honest, I love, as a pastor, and even not even just as a pastor, but as a Christian who's learned to walk with Jesus for the past nine years, I have learned to love the moments when our faith is pushed to a place where we actually have to trust God. I love those moments, and those moments are oftentimes scary, but those are the greatest moments. Everyone's looking at me like, I don't love those moments. Well, get to love those moments, because those are the moments where you get to see him come through. Sometimes we want this, this cupcake Christianity where it's really easy to follow him, and everything just, just, just goes nice and easy and smooth, but that's not the God of the Bible, and that's not, that's not light, the life that we live. I love the moments of faith where we're pushed to a test. About a month ago, we did, a, we did an evangelism sermon series with our young people, and I loved it. I don't know if they did. They might have hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> because we started to see their faith being tested. Y'all remember when you were an awkward teenager trying to tell someone about Jesus for the first time? Yeah. Maybe you weren't even saved when you, were, when you were a teenager. You remember how awkward you were when you were a teenager? Now try to tell someone about Jesus. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like it's just this awkward mess. I, I, but I love it. I've had, and the, they, I, to their credit, they've been doing it, man. They've been telling their friends. They've been reaching their friends. They've been bringing their friends to the warehouse. They've been bringing their friends to Thrive. It's been so cool. And I've had story after story of young person who would come up to me and be like, I shared my faith. I invited my friend. And they actually gave their life to Jesus. I'm like, like right? Like, yes, that's what, you know, that's what we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is who we are. That's what we do. And almost always, they start by coming up to t and telling me, I was so nervous. I was so nervous to do it, but I did it. And when they say that, I get excited. I'm like, yeah, you should be nervous. <laughs> because, because faith will always require you to step out. The reason I love it is these moments are the moments where we learn to trust God. This moment was a moment where Joshua and his men had to trust God because there was no other way. They were not going to defeat an army as large as the, the, uh, the, the sand on the seashore in their own strength. Yeah. 
These moments are the moments where we have to trust God. And here's the thing. The only way that you don't fear when, there, when you see a great enemy or a great opposition is a real revelation of who God is. Let's say that again. The only way that you don't fear when there's a great enemy or great opposition in your life is you have to have a real revelation of who God is. You have to really know who Jesus is. You have to really know who the God of the Bible is. You have to really know him. I I'm talking like real, like veil pulled back, like you really know who God is. These are the moments that, that test our faith. I'm talking a devotion life that is really real. Sometimes we stay in this, and I said it earlier, but this, 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 this easy street Christianity where we only uh, pursue Jesus on Sunday morning, and that's not enough. That's not a real revelation of who God is. When the moments where you grow are the moments where you can get revelation when it's just you and your Bible. Amen. I'm challenging you to that this morning, or else you'll always stay in fear. I love that the reason that Joshua and his men moved, because they trusted that when God said something, he kept his word. They had seen God make a way in the past. Anyone ever seen God make a way in the past? And maybe if you haven't, look around at the hands that went up. We serve the same God, the God who makes a way where there is no way. Amen. I have a, uh, a story that th th this all really started to make sense to me. My daughter is, is almost two. Pray for me. <laughs> and uh, she'll, she's so cute. She'll tell you her birthday is in July. That's how she says it. I don't know why she talks like that. She just does, okay? And uh, we're starting to introduce her to the, to the pool. Anyone know, any, any parents ever, like at that, around that age, started to introduce your baby to the pool? And, and so my parents and my wife's parents uh, both have a pool, so we've been swimming quite a bit because I don't like to be outside in the summer unless I'm in the water. You know, anyone with me, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I am winter all day. If it's summer and I got to be outside, I am going to be in the water. So we've been in the pool, and we're like, well, she got to be in the pool too. And so we're introducing her to a pool. And, man, sometimes I get so nervous because I have one of those babies who has no fear. <sighs> I'm like, Kidsley, be afraid of something. <laughs> one of the most commanded things in the Bible is do not be afraid. But I'm like, be afraid. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like my, my wife and I have rules for her uh, when she goes to the pool. We, we, we taught her this. Someone who's a lifeguard, tell me if this is smart or not. I don't know. But she goes up to the edge of the pool, and she can't step in. She, she, she likes to jump. And so she goes over to the edge, and our rules are, okay, babe, when you get to the edge, you have to stop. You have to tell us who you're going to jump to, and you have to count to three. I think those are good rules. The problem is she don't follow the rules. Naturally, what she does, like if this is the edge of the pool, she'll just be like, mommy, and like, like you, you run and just dive. Like she just goes for it. I'm like, what? Are, what no, no. Like I'm like, what are you doing? You got to count to three, and then she'll be like, three, four, five. I'm like, that's, I'm confused. <laughs> and you're not afraid. What's even crazier is she can't swim. And listen, I'm one of those nervous parents. I get so stressed, and I was watching her just cannonball into the pool, not knowing how to swim, all stressed and all worried. And she's just like, you know, doing the, she's, can, she's just jumping. She's just going. And, 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 and it really makes me nervous. And, and, and I began to realize something. She's unmoved by the apparent danger because of whose arms she's jumping into. Yes. Ah. 
She is unmoved by the fact that she could drown. She doesn't understand that she can drown in that pool because she knows when she sees mommy or when she sees daddy, if she jumps into the pool, she's going to be all right. She understands that if I jump, even if I jump before three, they're going to catch me because she understands the, the rightful relationship of a father. Lord is beginning to, I, I, I was literally sitting there watching her jump into the pool into her mom. And I'm like, Lord was shaking me. Matthew 18, 3, Jesus says, unless you become like little children, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. This passage began to make sense. Oh, that's, oh, that's what you meant, Lord, just diving in, heart abandoned, knowing, coming after the mother, coming after the father. This is one of these moments where that passage began to make sense. I think some of us actually need to start being a little bit more like little children, like the word says. We need a perspective shift. And sometimes we stay on the side of the pool in our walk with Jesus because our eyes are on the water rather than the, rather than the person who's going to catch us. Sometimes in your walk with Jesus, you just stay right here. You stay on the ledge. We stay on the ledge, and we're afraid to go deeper and actually trust God for who he is. We're afraid to actually have a prayer life because we're afraid what's going to happen if we jump all the way in. We're looking at the opposition. We're looking at the enemy. We're looking at the problem. We're failing to understand that it's not the odds, but it's the odds maker who is in the pool with us. It's Jesus that's in the water with us. This childlike faith thing has begun to, to, to grip me. Come on, I'm here to tell someone, stop standing on the side of the pool and start jumping in. You've been waiting for a sign to press into the presence of God. Here's your sign. Jump in. Go. Go all in. And watch what he does. Actually, when you, we wait and, and wait for God to send a sign and we're like, man, I just don't see anything. So I, this whole God thing must not be real. He's standing there waiting for you to jump to him. He's standing there waiting for you to take that step of faith, but we're staying stuck. It's not his fault. It's our fault often when we feel disconnected. It's because we're not pressing into him. We're not jumping into him. Can I remind you, when you feel overwhelmed, remember who it is we put our trust in. Remember who it is we put our trust in. We put our trust in the living God. And if he can speak to a void and create a galaxy with just his word, don't you think he can speak to your situation? If he can speak to nothing and create something, Bible says he said, let there be light and there was light. If he can speak to nothing and make it something, don't you think he can speak to your heart? Sometimes we struggle with our faith because of where our eyes are. Where is your focus? This is what I want to ask you. Where is your focus in the times of temptation, the times of trouble, the times of worry, the times of fear? What are your eyes looking at? And sometimes the problem is we try to destroy our enemy with our own methods. Anyone ever try to do this? You don't have to raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. You tried to get over that sin issue with your own methods. You tried to do it in your own strength. We try to uh, destroy it with our own systems and with our own strength and with our own past, but that'll never work because to destroy an enemy, you must destroy its systems. To destroy an enemy, you must destroy the system that allows it to run. Uh, I want to read verse 6 again. If you could throw it up there. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. 
This is such an interesting verse to me because the Lord instructs Joshua uh, after the victory to destroy the chariots. The chariots are the system that makes the enemy operate. Does that make sense? It's after he says, you must destroy the system. What's interesting is that this is actually the first time in Joshua that the enemy had chariots. If you read all of Joshua 1 through 10, there are no chariots, and so that means they were fighting on hands and feet. If you're fighting on hands and feet and someone has a horse and a chariot, don't you know that's a remarkable advantage? This is the first time that they're seeing such a formidable enemy. This is an incredible technical advantage. When you're fighting on your feet and the enemy has horses and chariots, I don't know about you, that's not good odds. To destroy an enemy, you must destroy its systems. God has Joshua wipe away the chariots. This is the first time this generation had to overcome this struggle. The first time this generation was faced with an enemy this powerful. What's interesting is when Moses led um, Israel out of Egypt, Egypt had chariots. Moses and his generation had dealt with an enemy like this before. But Joshua and his generation had never seen an enemy so powerful. Can I tell you, maybe you're in a season in your life where you are faced with an enemy that you have never seen before. I think God is telling you to cut down the system that allow you to to have that enemy in place. When Moses led Israel out of Egypt, God parted the sea. They looked back and the army and the chariots were washed out. God must have a thing against chariots. God instructs Joshua to get rid of the systems that lead to destruction. I'm going to challenge you today. Get rid of the systems that lead to your destruction. Maybe you have a lust issue. You need to get rid of that unfiltered internet access on your phone. Maybe, maybe you have a, a struggle with insecurity and low self-worth, but you scroll through Instagram all day comparing yourself with others while your Bible collects dust. Some of us struggle with generosity, but, but what, we don't have no problem running up the credit card bill. Maybe you need to cut the credit card bill, the things in your life that are separating you, the things in your life that are allowing the systems of destruction to stay in place. They need to go. Some of us may be fighting an enemy of addiction, but we won't get rid of those friends that keep dragging us to the bar. I could go on and on with this all day. There's so many more. We could continue to do this, but we need to destroy the systems that destroy our faith. I'm going to say that again. We need to destroy the systems that destroy our faith. If there's something in your life that is causing you to be dragged down, it's like the chariot. We We need to get rid of it. We need to cut it. We need to burn it. We need to disallow it in our lives because the systems will often creep back up. One of the reasons I believe the Lord had them destroy the chariots was so that way they couldn't put their trust in the chariots. Because they could have taken the chariots for future wars for themselves, but the Lord said, no, you're not going to rely on a chariot. You're not going to rely on man's strength. You're going to rely on me. Sometimes we use things as a crutch. Get rid of it. Even if it's perceived that you can use it. Even if it's perceived that it might help you. If the Lord doesn't tell you to have it, you need to get rid of it. Because he has something greater waiting, and it's waiting in obedience. I, I, I want to sit for a minute. I know it's the middle of the message, and it might be a weird time to do this, but, but, but I want to pray that the Lord would begin to reveal the systems in our lives, the patterns that we follow that lead to destruction. 
Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to illuminate in our minds the patterns and the systems that lead to destruction, God. Lord, I pray that we would begin to, 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 to search our hearts, search our hearts for, for, for the systems and the patterns and the things that lead to destruction. Lord, I pray you would illuminate it and we would have a, a fire, a passion in our hearts to get rid of it. Whatever it is that's separating us from you, whatever it is that's tearing us from you, whatever it is that's keeping us from greater intimacy with you, whatever it is that's keeping us from greater trust in you, Lord, I pray that we would identify it and destroy it. Jesus, I thank you for who you are, that you can destroy it, that you will help us destroy it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See, this, anyone ever had a moment where you just got, in, got wrecked, encountered God, and like the very next day you were back in your old mess? Anybody? I have. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, man, the presence of God was undeniable in the room. The presence of God was so thick and so heavy, and you could not deny it. But the very next day, you were back in your old stuff. You were back in your old mess. You were back lying to your boss. You were back uh, cheating from your uh, coworkers. You were back stealing things. You were, you were back in your own mess. The reason isn't because the encounter wasn't real. The reason was because we allowed the system to stay alive. The reason was because we didn't deal with the root of it. I think, we need, I think we need to understand that God wants to come for the root of the issue and not just the surface level of the issue. But we have to be obedient. I pray that we destroy the systems that keep us from obedience. If, if you could throw up Joshua 11.9, I want to read that. This is the end of this passage, and it says, Joshua did to them... This is after the battle, as the Lord had directed. <laughs> we could stop right there. So profound. Joshua did to them as the Lord had directed. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots. What does it say? Joshua did as the Lord directed. Joshua did as the Lord directed. It's powerful. It's profound. I want to end with this. If the worship team can come up, it's this. It's victory requires obedience. Yes. Victory requires obedience. Victory requires obedience. They won that war, and then they were obedient. But they might not have won the next war if they kept the chariots. They actually likely would not have won the next war if they kept the chariots. They actually likely would have not won the next war if they kept the horses, if they were disobedient. I love what Pastor Eric said a couple weeks ago. God promises, we act, and then he comes through. Remember that? Remember when he said that? God promises. This, this is the, the way. This is the system. God promises, we act, he comes through. God promises, we act, he comes through. We see that here. We see that here. God tells, God tells Joshua do not be afraid. Joshua acts. God comes through. Joshua's victory required his obedience. What's so interesting to me about this passage is that there is no military instruction given on how the battle will be won. Did you catch that? There was no like, okay, you're going to go this way, you're going to go around left, and then you're going to take out the army. No, there was no military instruction given by God. He just says that you're going to win. 
Sometimes we're saying, God, you must not be real because I don't see how I'm going to make ends meet. God, you must not be real because I don't see how I'm going to get rid of this lust in my heart. God, you must not be real because I cannot see it. He does not give them the method through which they will win. That is crazy to me. What does it mean? It's because he didn't want them to worship the method. Sometimes we begin to worship the method that brought us breakthrough one time. No, no, no. We need to worship the creator who will have brought the victory. The vi- yeah, come on. You can praise him. The only things God says is do not fear and I will hand them over. Do not fear. I will hand them over and then get rid of the chariots afterwards. Zero instruction on how the battle would be won. I don't know about you, but if you're going to tell me do not be afraid, you're going to have to tell me how it's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or at least my flesh wants to know. We need to learn. It's It's a trust thing. We need to learn to trust him again. We need to learn to trust him maybe for the first time. There's only instruction on what to do after the victory. You know what, as I was praying and I was worshiping, I was reading, it reminded me of? It reminded me of Exodus 3.12. If you know the passage when Moses is talking to God in the burning bush (laughs) and he asks Yahweh, he says, what will be the sign that you are with me? And you know what God responds with? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship me on this mountain. It's so profound. He said, Moses asked the question, what is the sign that you're going to be with me? And God says, when you've won. <laughs> he says the same thing here. What is, what, what, what is the battle plan? There isn't one. You've already won if you trust in me, but you have to be obedient to me. And you have to do as I command. The instruction is trust me, watch what I do, and worship me. That's it. That's it. That's it. Don't be a slave to the system. Be obedient to the Father. Because the system could never bring you freedom in the first place if God wasn't the one designing the system. Does that make sense? Ah, there's so much freedom in this. And it's hard, but there's so much freedom in allowing yourself to not know. Allowing yourself when the odds are stacked against you to just say, I trust my Jesus completely. I trust God completely. Regardless of what I can see with my human eyes. I know he's seeing from a different level than I'm seeing from. I know it doesn't make sense in the moment, but he is the way maker. He is the one who knows tomorrow. He is the one who is waiting for you in tomorrow and says the victory has always already been one if you would only be obedient but here's the challenge it's sometimes hard to be obedient we're stubborn this is for someone this morning do not fear let the Lord fight your battles sometimes we get it twisted trying to fight the battle our own way Oftentimes when we lose, you can say lose in battles of faith it's because we tried to, to fight the battle in our own strength we tried to do it in our own ability. We, 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 we tried to, to rest on our own strength. And how many know that that will never carry you very far? Maybe you can get past an army or two. Maybe Joshua's men could get past an army or two. But they weren't getting past this army without God. Let's say it again. Do not fear. Let the Lord fight your battles. And get out of the way. 
Trust him. It's hard, but trust him. So I want to do this. If you guys can all close your eyes with me and bow your head. I want to do an altar call for a couple things or have you raise your hand for a couple things. I want to ask. The first is, this, is if you would say, you know what, Pastor Matt? I, uh, I have been, there's been a system that I've allowed to stay in place that, that is con- continued to lead to my destruction and and maybe you've had encounters with Jesus but then you go right back into your same mess maybe you've had a moment here or there but there's never any sustained success because you have not gotten rid of the system that causes the dysfunction and the destruction if there's a system no one looking around except for me if you could just slip up your hand I want to pray for you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus I pray right now that you would give them the strength to cut down the system. Lord, I pray that they would begin to see the system for what it is. I pray they would begin to see it for what it is. It's an idol. I pray we would begin to rid our lives of the things that keep us distant from you. The things that keep us distant from you, Lord, I pray that we would begin to get rid of them. I pray that we would begin to let them go. I pray that we would begin to let them loose and maybe for the first time put our trust in you. You're calling us out to deep waters when we trust you. But just like Kinsley jumps right into the water when her mom or dad is in the water, Lord, I pray that we would jump right into the water and you're waiting for us. Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. The second thing I want to ask is this, is maybe it's that last point. You've been fighting an enemy in your own strength. You've been battling. You've been wrestling. And man, you're tired. Man, you're done. Man, you're over it. Man, maybe you want to quit. Man, maybe you want to walk away from the faith because you've been battling and battling and battling in your own strength. No one looking around except for me. If there's anyone in the room who says, I am tired of being tired. I am tired of battling in my own strength. And Lord, I choose today that I want to trust you and you alone. If there's anyone in the room, if you could slip up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for my friends who are willing to be transparent and open, Lord. I pray we would know enough to know that we don't have to fight this battle on our own. I pray, Lord, that we would begin to lean into you. Lord, I pray that our devotion life would explode. Ah, I pray that our devotion life would become real. Our devotion life would explode. The way that you learn to trust him and and not battle in your own strength is you pick up your word. Is you commune with him. Is you meet with him. Lord, I pray that you would give a renewed grace and a renewed strength for an every single day meeting with you. Lord, I pray against Sunday-only Christianity. God, I pray we would learn to be captivated by your love and your grace and your mercy every single morning. Lord, I thank you that you want to meet us every single day. And I pray that we would meet you how you want to meet us. Lord, I thank you for every person in the room, every calling, every heart, every soul. Lord, I pray that for the rest of this service, you have your way. In Jesus' name. 
Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.